coming up on Unsound Advice. One night, Laura's in there. She's doing her set. And you, you can feel a momentum shift happening in the room. Joe Rogan walks in the back. I don't know if you knew that night that, that there might be somebody coming in, but you were just killing the whole time you're up there. 15 minutes straight of just murdering. Rogan is in the back howling. And within a week, you were later, you were on the Joe Rogan experience. Well, um, Joe posted a picture of me um, that he took during that set and posted me on his Instagram and his Twitter. And I thought, like, the world was ending. Like, I thought I had done something wrong. <laughs> like, when you look at your phone and it's just... All I, notifications. So many notifications sure. so fast. Mm -hmm. It was so... <laughs> it was so scary to look at my phone. I was like, what the fuck? Twice in the last month, I had to come pick her up from a guy's house, drunk, at 4.30 in the morning. Do I just assume he's not interested anymore? So I'm in my second marriage. My first one ended because my wife cheated on me and my second wife is starting to act in a similar way. Hey, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hey there. Um, I know you're a 12-step program person, so I was just wondering, how do you break up with a hairstylist? A bunch of my coworkers are really bad at their jobs. And I wanted to try, you know, bringing her back into my life. I'm just wondering if you had any guidance for me. Give me a strategy here. Where do I start? How do I even begin? And how do I stop eating cookies? Because I love cookies so much. Thanks a lot, Laura. You're the best. Hi, welcome to Unsound Advice with Laura Bites. I'm Laura Bites. Today I am joined by a fantastic comedian and host of three great podcasts, Jeremiah Wonders, Scissor Brothers, and Stand Up on the Spot. His first comedy special, Daddy, is available now on YouTube. Everybody, please welcome Jeremiah Watkins. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Is Stand Up on the Spot a podcast or should we change that? Because that's a live show, right? Or is it also a podcast? It's many things. It's a, it's a live show. It's every second Tuesday of the month at the Comedy Store. Uh, it's um, it's a podcast. We do put it on audio platforms as well. Uh, so if people want to drive and listen to it in the car, and then it's like a YouTube series. So cool. Checks a lot of boxes. I did the live show once. It was so much fun. I it know. Was I gotta, so much I got to have you back for one of the, uh, the tapings. It's been a minute since I've had you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not an improv person at all, as we've covered on this podcast. You killed it, though. I killed it, though. You Thank you for saying what I can't. Set. I had so much fun. It was great. And I enjoyed riffing with you, too. I did, too. I think there's something magical about the belly room. I'll be perfectly honest. I yeah. really come into my own. Yeah, on it that wasn't stage. our chemistry or comedic talents at all. It was all the belly room. I mean, I dare not <laughs> I dare not give credit to my own talent because that's not I don't feel like that would have happened in another. I don't know. I'm not giving myself enough credit. <laughs> yeah. For sure. You, yeah, it was awesome. It was yeah. so yeah. Thank you. It yeah. was really fun. Um, how you been? You got a couple kids. Got a couple kids. Yep. Cranking them out. Yeah. <laughs> so vulgar. <laughs> cranking them out, cranking out the kids. You got a two-year-old, you got a baby year old. Mm-hmm. How's that going? It's good. You know, it's uh it's highs and lows similar to comedy in that regard. When it's really high, it's like it's incredible. Yeah. And then when it's lows, it's like, okay, you got to really like check yourself. You right. gotta, there's a lot of stuff you got to uh, check with your ego and your patience and humility and a lot of stuff. But uh, I think it, in the, in the long run, I think it's making me a better person. I hope so. Wow. I'm sure it is. And I love that you brought up the idea of ego because that's something that's been coming up over and over for me 
this week, I've just been noticing how many things are my own ego. And I try really hard to stay ahead of that and be like, don't do this because of what people are going to think. Do what you want to do. Like, what do you want to do if other people's opinions were not a factor? And I'm finding that the decision is usually different than what I was going to do. Well, I think, you know, we're both from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of plays in sometimes to being polite and uh, kind of not wanting to let people down in certain ways, but sometimes that can be a detriment to yourself if you're trying to cater to other people's needs all the time. Yeah. That's, I mean, my mom, like, perfect example. She is always trying to make everyone happy and then it, it's, like, impossible. Yeah. Because, like, everybody has their own agenda and wants and needs, especially, like, when you go back home and visit family and stuff. It's, like, it becomes too difficult to try to placate to everybody's needs. 100%. Yeah, there was something that someone said to me a while ago that's always stuck with me. They said, if you can if you can make one person happy, make yourself happy. Hmm. I'm like, oh, I like that. I guess I would rather disappoint someone else than myself. That sounds like kind of like a nice Snapple cap. <laughs> it does sound like a nice <laughs> Snapple cap. Yeah, a fortune cookie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good. What advice would you give to a new parent? We give advice on this show. I didn't give you any heads up, and That's I okay. kind of delighted in that because I like no. to see what people come up with off the cuff. Yeah. Uh, let's, I do, would... let's do it on the spot, no, Jeremiah. The tables have turned. I love it. Advice to new parents. Uh, this is one I always say. Uh, this is this is one that has nothing to do with relationships or anything, but always have a napkin or Kleenex in your pocket. <laughs> it literally will never <laughs> let you down. If you always have something in your pocket that can wipe up something gross that's about to happen, (laughs) it it will greatly improve your life because there's been so many times as a new parent where you're literally, something horrible happens, whether it's like your kid falling down, you're like, oh no, no, what do I do? Uh, Or like their runny nose or like, like, you know, a, a pee happens or a poop or something like that. You know, a good old napkin or a wet wipe in your pocket. Good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been like, oh man, I wish I didn't have this napkin in my pocket. Right. And I'm just a, a woman out in the world. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they come in and, and they can be any napkin. They can be a Starbucks napkin, a Chipotle yeah. napkin. It can be from home. It can even be toilet paper. Yeah. That's always a little bit weird though. If you pull out toilet paper out of like the strands out of your pocket, you right. feel a little bit like a street urchin. But I've yeah. done it before when you're on a, a flight or something. And that's all they have in the bathroom. I'm one of those guys who pull, 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 and then I stuff it in my pocket for later. Yeah, I think there's less judgment on pulling um, pulling toilet paper out, like tissue out of a clown sleeve, than there is just having a disgusting child with like... True. Shit all over their face. But Although you, no one really dis- judges you for having a disgusting child. They might not want to touch your kids' I think they do face. to themselves. I think they do to... I, I, the more... I've noticed myself getting more judgmental with certain things uh, now that I am a parent. Now that I like, I'm like, well, they're not freaking, they're not doing a very good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that I, now that I'm like experiencing it in real time with my wife, like I think that uh, in some ways I might've used to have a little bit more patience for kids on flights, but now it's actually less now that I do have kids and I'm like, no, there is a way to 
make them behave. What is the way to make them behave? It's just, you have to have snacks. Snacks is key. Yeah. You got to have a lot of snacks or like, like little like toys or anything. We're, we're trying not to be like an iPad family. Yeah. Until maybe that's like an emergency down the line kind of thing. But like, it's just like little knickknacks and little toys and snacks and stuff like that just to keep them busy. And you have to be willing to engage with them. You can't put in your headphones. Like you're committing to you are engaging with them for the flight. Yeah. You're being their human comforter or or sleeping bag, whatever, like depending on how they're moving around and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do have a little bit of judgment and that's not fair, but I do um, when I see like a kid on an iPad just in a stroller, like getting rolled through Target or even rolled through like, I hate the airport. It. I hate it. I'm like, there's enough to stimulate them just going in this world, like I can't even look at a phone when I'm in a car. I'm like, that's so much for a kid's brain. But on a plane, if the kid is freaking out, I'm like, give them a fucking iPad and make up for it on your sure. own goddamn time. They're I don't care <laughs> what you teach them on this flight. I don't give a shit. Put a goldfish cracker in its mouth every five seconds until we goddamn land. Give it the juice. I don't give a shit. Do you wear headphones on your flights? You bet your ass I wear huge noise-canceling headphones on my to. flights. <laughs> and course. I put earplugs in underneath the noise-canceling headphones. And it has like an ambient sound function. Yeah, I do my part. I do my part. Hey. But Laura, you're also an extreme case where you are very sensitive. To yes, noise. I yeah. am. I'm yeah. sensitive to a lot of things. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something I'm working on. I've actually gotten better. How, wait, how, how are you specific? Like, what's something that sets you off in public? Honestly, just too many noises at once. So, like, s social conversation, like, big crowds. I used to have to wear earplugs. I now don't really. But I oh, do okay. have to, like, recharge. Um, and, and, and just, like, I, I don't hang out in restaurants as much as I used to. But I could hear, like... The clink clanging and all that? Yeah. And putting in earplugs just turned everything down so I could almost like lip read more. Like I just could focus more on the person's Are you good voice. at reading lips now? I didn't realize how much I read lips until the pandemic when people started wearing masks and it messed me up oh. a lot. And it's just, it's just to sort through all the sounds because I can hear the change in someone's pocket, someone getting their keys out, the silverware going into the bus bin. Like the, I mean, I can just hear everything at once. Is that hard for once. you with uh, with stand up sometimes? Absolutely. Because uh, for me, I'm ADD in a different way. Where if something sets off that is loud enough in the audience, I'll riff on it with mm -hmm. the crowd. But sometimes that can be a detriment because I'm so hyper in the moment. Yeah. That some people in the back they can't even hear right. <laughs> what I'm talking about. I'm like, never mind. So I gotta, you know, I, I'm moving on with yeah. with whatever I'm talking about because it's like one person said one little thing. Right. And then the 200 other people are like, what are, what are you talking about? I'm like, didn't never bother mind. anyone else. Yeah. yeah, I have that with like people ordering drinks and stuff. Oh, I want to yeah. be like, hey, you took me totally out of my set, and then I'm like, that's what the club is here. I know. Like yeah. they're trying to to get another drink or pay right. their bill or whatever. Right. And I'm like, like I nobody is doing anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Someone will glance down at their phone and it lights up and I'm like, well, I need you to tell me where I was because I don't know anymore. <laughs> you know what's hard for me is some clubs are doing this and I hope that this doesn't catch is yeah, ordering I know what you're gonna say. Hundred percent. Over the phone for a drink when they I freaking hate it. It literally it disturbs the hate whole it. 
thing because I'm like, why are you on your phone? They're like, um, I'm trying to order something. And then I'm the dick now that I'm acknowledging that they're on their phone. Dude, I gave a guy grief at the comedy store the other night because he was like, it looked like he was eating a hot dog out of a piece of paper. And I was like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, what are you doing? He uh-huh. was in the front row. And I was like, are you eating a hot dog out of a piece of paper right now? Like, we don't serve those. And he was like, yeah, you do. You. St-. I was like, when did we start serving food? He they was serve like, hot dogs there now? No, they serve pretzels, but it looked like a hot dog to me. They serve food. Listen, that's I on him. I had no idea. He that, has bad eating etiquette if it looks like he's eating a hot dog. I had no a idea. They that's totally even, on that guy. I thought that he had brought in outside food of some kind because I had no idea that we had started serving food there. And like, it's LA. So if it's no one BYOHD, eats. I mean, that's some serious <laughs> stuff. You're doing that. I mean, that's a lot. But he didn't. He was just eating a pretzel, minding his own business. Okay. And I flipped out because I had never seen anyone have one of those. You a mustard on pretzel gal? Uh, I don't eat pretzels. I never really, like, if you had put one in front of me, I'd mm-hmm. be like, all right, we, is there anything else? Okay, I'll have the pretzel, you know? But yeah. it, I never was like, oh, my God, let's go get one, you know? <laughs> I don't think that's a, a sport for anybody. I don't think anybody says, let's get a pretz. Can I tell you something so funny? Because they do. And here is my experience that okay. I cannot wait to share with you. So I went to the mall with um, a gay man, Akeem Woods. Do you know him? Yeah, I think so. Very funny comedian. Yeah. We went to the mall together and he was like, oh my God, they have an Auntie Anne's. I have to get a pretzel. Like, stop me from getting one. Don't you dare stop me. I'm getting one. He was so excited. He taught, we walked there from my house. He talked about it the whole way. Um, got a pretzel. I, flat, uh, fast forward. Um, I was working the House of Comedy in the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. Met up with my feature act, who was a gay man. Uh, to go shopping before the shows. And he was like, oh my God, they have an Auntie Anne's here. I have to get a pretzel. They are so good. I should not do it. I'm gonna do it. Like gushed about these pretzels. I've never seen or heard anyone talk about an an Auntie Anne's pretzel before in my life. Yeah. The only two times were also the only two gay men I've ever gone to the mall with. And so I asked, his name's Riley Cosgrove, who's a very funny comedian. He lives in Chicago now. And I, I asked him, I was like, is this a gay thing? Like, I have to know. Like, is Auntie Anne's like... <laughs> right. Is it a hidden secret? he laughed secret? so hard. Yeah. yeah. I told him about Akeem and he thought that it was like the funniest thing that he'd ever heard. That's great. I gotta say, I growing up in New York, I'm a huge hot pretzel fan. Yeah. And on the streets, I'll buy those dirty hot dogs, you know, those, those dirty pretzels they sell in the street. There's a company, Milwaukee pretzel company uh-huh. they uh they ship to your home frozen and you can cook them up and they're fantastic that does Whoa. look good right yeah put the image away now that's making me hungry here we go no more all done but i that does look good though i i will speak to the side of yes i love a good hot pretzel with mustard should we jump into a queue hit a hot question are you ready to give some advice, change some lives? My, I mean, we can talk about pretzels as long as you guys want. If no one has anything else on them, I mean, I'm done. Let's stop minor our peas and get into the cues. <laughs> Come on. Come on, people. This is what you're here for. Uh, all right, we've got an email. Hey, Laura, I heard your advice the other week about the couple that was having loud sex above your other listener's apartment. I've got a similar but unique problem. At least I hope it's unique. 
I live in a small apartment complex and my bedroom window faces our courtyard. My neighbor recently adopted an abandoned baby crow. Oh, Jesus And it Christ. talks or calls at all hours of the day. It often wakes me up and I even hear it over the TV at night. What do I do? Step on it? Obviously? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You can't adopt a crow. Wow. Your turn, Jeremiah. I'm done. Uh, first of all, adopting a crow is one of the coolest, most emo things I've heard <laughs> in a while. I'm sorry my pet crow is bothering you, Laura. <laughs> oh, sorry. I feel like, yeah, I'm sorry, too. You should have let it die outside like it was destined to oh, do. Oh, just like I'm dying on the inside right now? Yes. This is a cry for help. Yes, exactly like that. Oh. <sighs> I don't know. I I think, you know, to shut up a crow, what do you eat? I mean, a crowbar? Is that what they... Call anima con animal control? <laughs> release it back into the world? What if we found out that was the origin of the crowbar? Is not like... Is a, to a kill car crows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, one crow outside your window will ruin your life. I mean, they're pretty intense. They are so And that's coming from obnoxious. human birth. I love that he said they talk or it talks or cause. Or at, cause. All, at all hours of the day, it often wakes me up. Of course it does. I think crows can mimic. I think they can. I think that's why they say that they're talking. So what do you think that this person should do? Oh, man. I would, I, you know, what I would do is nothing. What I think a person should do is go to the neighbor and be like, you can't have a crow. Yeah. Or, you know, just start competing, like get a baby in there. Tell yeah. the landlord. Although I've never, I would never. Or we could go the route, you know, the noise canceling headphones. It says it's waking them up, hearing it over the TV. My neighbors scream and I hate them. Uh, they are like the across-the-way neighbors. They have a mm -hmm. pool. They scream. They're way too old to be screaming as much as they do, and yeah. I hate them. And I put in my earplugs under my noise-canceling headphones, put on white noise, like shut the balcony door, and I still hate them, but those are the modifications I've made to my life personally. If we're going on my experience, it is to like block the sound out as best I can and then suck it up. Well, I guess one thing that would be easy to do uh, if the crow gets a little bit older is you visit your friend in the apartment or you go up there, you find a way to get inside their place and you accidentally open a window when, because, you know, that's all, a, a crow is going to see the open air and fly into it and that thing's not coming back. It's a crow. You know what though? It totally could come back. I don't know how crows kind of crow live 300 years. Um, I don't know how crows are with like tracking stuff down. I know that there are pigeons who can like you fly across. You think your mother-in-law's bad. Mine won't die. 300 years. Ooh. <laughs> She's 300 years old. It's like, when is she going to pass? <laughs> My favorite part about that is that you could not wait to say it. That's my favorite part. You're Lara, like, you know what? I don't know what the second half of Lara's sentence is. I do know that this riff cannot wait. 
and that whatever it is, it's less important than what I am about to do. Listen, Laurie, you've known me for a while. You know if the riff is there, it's a coming. <laughs> it's, it's a freight train that is not slowing down at all. It doesn't matter if the president of the United States is talking. That riff's coming out. Yeah. I don't even know what I was going to say. I didn't care about it that much at the time. We are talking pretzels. <laughs> uh, oh, Pigeons can, like, bury stuff a million miles away, exaggerating, obviously, and then, like, fly back to it a long time later and, like, find their little seeds they buried. Really? Yeah, so some birds have, like, an incredible sense of direction. Well, you know, the messenger birds is a whole thing. Centuries of sending messages. Right. Some of the OG messages. Yeah, which is crazy. So I don't know what a crow can do. They're very smart. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like it could easily go back to the window and be like, this is where I get food. You've been raising me since I was a baby. Like, I'm I'm back, you Mm -hmm. know? Okay. Which is why it's important, I guess, to keep the window closed after you set the crow free. You could. probably just going to sit on the ledge and cough. Easy solution. This one's a little dark. Get a cat. That crow is eventually going to cross the path of the cat, and then all of a sudden, oh, no, my cat ate your bird. My cats would be so fucking afraid of a crow. Maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. They both lived. Crows can get big too. Outside for a while. They can get huge. They can get as big as cats. They yeah. get as big as a toddler they can sometimes. Peck too. Yeah. 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 My cats have claws though. Mm-hmm. It's like little knife hands. Just like their mom. Rare. Do you want to risk that though? <laughs> I had to do it. Do I want to risk my cat I mean, you killing want, a crow? Do you want like couch? basically this is all like a, you know, two animals facing off. Do you want to put your money that your cat's going to come out fine against a crow? No, because they can peck your eyes. Mm-hmm. I just realized I have to confess something. I didn't realize that um, the two shot was going to be uh, waist up and uh, people are getting more than what they bargained for with this leg. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have shorts on also. It is 94 goddamn degrees. I had to wear shorts. We're yeah. wearing shorts. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. People can see your leg. It's fine. I don't know. And I, maybe so on Laura's I, Patreon, it might get a little steamy in here. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I don't oh. know. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Ooh, censored. Ooh. <clears throat> Say something else now. Um. Okay. Well, um... I think that the crow, um, I would rather kill a crow than a raven for whatever reason. I, yeah, I would rather kill a crow than let it live. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, what if this person's really lonely? That is the only pet that, that. Get a pet. Yeah. So get a pet. I, um. No, what if all other pets have rebuked this person? No, that hasn't happened. I, I think that a conversation is the solution here to be like, you can't, what's what's the long-term plan for this crow? Yeah. Is this the plan? Because this is how it's affecting my life. Yeah. Terribly. I think it, it's that, well, for me, anything with the relationships, whether it's a stranger, whether it's a relative, or whether it's a loved one, it all comes down to communication. If you're not at least letting them know that it's affecting you negatively, they're completely unaware. They're like, they, they, they're living in their own world. You'd be surprised how people are sometimes so involved with themselves that they, they're not even realizing that they're causing you pain or anguish. And then they're like, oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, well, let's work on this together. I have a question along those lines. Do you think the solution ever is not communicating? I'm in a, uh, 
a new thing, and I'd really prefer not to communicate. You're in a new relationship? I wouldn't call it that. We've been dating for three months. Okay. You, the mm, Not communicating at all? Well, the you there's I think there's instances where you don't communicate if you know for a fact that it could really hurt their feelings in a certain way. Well, we like communicated about a thing and now I'm kind of just done communicating about it. I feel like we covered it. Oh. Yeah. There's move. a time to step away for sure and move yeah. on. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right, cool. I mean, let's not keep I think, going yeah. over it. I think you can overdo again. it. I think you can really overdo it. Yeah, but I will say my wife and I, we never get in like big fights where we like we've never like blown up on each other. Yeah. Because yeah. we talk it out so much before it would ever get to that point. So there's kinds of pros and cons of doing it both ways, depending on like if it's something that's an argument or it's something that's bothering you. So I don't know. Yeah. I like that. Should we do another call? Let's do it. We're email? Yeah, we've got another email here. Hey, guys, uh, do it with your voices because that's more fun because then we can hear different voices. That's right. Stop writing. Yeah, And it's easy. Don't to... stop writing. I mean, if it's between an email and nothing, please email us. But like do your voice. And the voice recorder app on your iPhone or your Android is very easy. You can share it and send it right through Gmail and send it right into the pod. It's the same exact thing. It's even easier. It's easier than typing. There we go. Figure it out. Thanks. What's the next email? All right. Hi, Laura. I love the pod. I'm an aspiring comedian and I'm trying to decide where to move to get started. I live in a small town in Missouri. Is there a city in the Midwest you would recommend or should I make the leap to New York or Los Angeles? Thanks, Gretchen. Jeremiah, you're from Kansas. Where did you start doing comedy? I started in LA. Holy shit. Yeah. I did the big plunge. What's your story? Well, I was doing improv in Kansas City. Then, um... Uh, I, for whatever reason, had in my head, you had to be 21 to start stand-up. It's <laughs> so cute. Yeah, yeah, because of the bars and different stages and stuff like that. And I was like, ah, it'll just be easier if I just do that. So I was one of those comics who I started right when I was 21 years old uh, in Los Angeles. But I've been doing improv in Kansas City and short films and sketches and broadcasts and all that stuff in high school and college. And uh, when I moved out, I went in Right away, got my feet wet at uh, the Second City, started interning there, did every class I could, then at Groundlings later on. And w while I was doing all that, I was doing stand-up in L.A. So I started like really, really pursuing it out in L.A. and not like locally really in Kansas City. Cool. Yeah. Um, my deal was I started in Milwaukee. I did three years there and then I moved to Chicago and I did three years there and then I moved to L.A. And that was not my original plan. When I was in Milwaukee, I thought I was ready to move to New York. And I'm so glad that I did not. I'm so glad that I did not. I'm so glad that I failed at that idea and went to Chicago instead because it was closer. Um, I would suggest that just based on my own experience because I got to like gradually move up. Like I ran out of headroom in Milwaukee, I would say, um, and then moved to Chicago and, you know, thinking I was the best and then was absolutely not. And so I got a lot better there because there were a lot of better comics there. Um, and then I wouldn't say I ran out of headroom there, but I made as much progress as I wanted to make there and then um, moved to L.A. 
thinking again that I was just the best and then found out that I wasn't and then did. Um, I did three years of like work in L.A. before I think I went full time. And now I've been in L.A. for seven years. Holy shit. Yeah? Yeah. Seven years, August 16th. Yeah, so over seven years now. How long have you been at the comedy store now? Um, since 2019. Wow. Already. Yeah, I went into it's development crazy. in 2018 and then got passed in 2019. That's awesome. Uh, this question is kind of interesting because I feel like Laura and I are actually, are actually both examples of what you're asking about. Because uh, Laura kind of built up in the scenes that she was in and then moved to L.A., which I feel like because you did that, you got good in the scenes that you're in and you came in with momentum and your voice kind of already ready and kind of heat on you, in my opinion. for This is just from an outsider's point of view. When you came in to the comedy store, everybody's like, yo, this new girl, Laura Bai, she's funny. Like that was like like the like what was kind of being passed around, and then like people Thank are like, you. okay, like let's check this out, see cool. what's going on. Um, so that's one way to do it is is growing in a different scene, and then you're coming in with your jokes, you're funny, and you kind of know who you are, and you kind of have the ball rolling. Me, uh, since I started in L.A., um, that's a way to do it as well. If you want to, I, I would say whatever works for you specifically, uh, whatever you're more inclined to, I had to have a different approach where I had to have many times over the years have bookers forget certain performances yeah. uh, from failing. Yeah. But the cream will rise if you keep putting in the work over and over and over again. Uh, and then I've had to reconvince people to take a look at me again because I'm like... That was me from a few years ago. I've right. grown a lot as a comic. But you got to be a little bit careful to not um, blow up your spot immediately. Like uh, when I first went to the comedy store, I went up on, on the open mic and I had a pretty good set. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't good enough for me. I literally left the comedy store for a year and did open mics around LA and did not. I wanted them to forget that one set that I had because... I had so much respect for that place and like a bunch of my comedy heroes had performed there and been, you know, paid regulars there and stuff. So I went away, even though I was in LA, I went away because I was like, I don't want people remembering mediocrity. I want to yeah. come back in and be killing every single time. And then that was my trajectory to the friends and family and then eventually paid regular status and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. I, I kind of did. A similar thing where, like, I had a set there that was mediocre and didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, left and didn't go back for a long time. And I think that that's why people, when I got passed into development, were like, where did she come from? And it's like, oh, I was um, sulking for three years. Right. <laughs> Getting better. <laughs> Getting better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I literally have had so many sets that were very, very cringy where a big comic would walk in the back of the room and I would see them and I'm like, oh no. I was experimenting doing something crazy. One that I like to tell is uh there's this girl in the audience that had like her shirt like all the way rolled up and I was just doing this dumb thing where I was standing on tables and I was acting like her because she had like been kind of heckling some of the other comics that night and stuff like that. And Neil Brennan walks in and I see his face just be like, what is this guy oh doing? God. 
And I, I swear, like, like that is the set. He did not see any other set of mine for like three years. And then, and then eventually he started seeing my sets and watching them. And then he, he even, he gave me a, a tag or two that ended up in my special, like, because he, he is obviously a great writer. And he's like, Hey, what do you say this after this bit and stuff like that? So yeah. we've become friends over the years, but like, that's something that you have it's a, to be a little bit cautionary about is being seen a little bit too early when you are in a big scene like New York or L.A. and you're putting it all out there. You got to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've heard from people who started here. Um, and I've seen I've seen people here where I saw them years ago and I was like, that guy sucks. And so every time that person's name came up in my head, I was like, that guy sucks. And then I saw them years later and I was like, oh, holy shit, you're good. Yeah. You yeah. straight up went from bad to good. Yep. Yeah. That'll but, happen. But those first impressions. But it takes a lot of reconvincing. It takes so much reconvincing of people when they see you do, especially, you know, what, like what I do is I, I go for every single thing that I do, like physically, like <laughs> emotionally, energetically, everything. So yeah. like it, when I, when I fail, I fail really hard. But when I do succeed, it, it works out pretty well. I love, I loved seeing you in those like really late OR spots. Oh yeah. Because there's just, so for people who don't know, which is probably a lot of people, um, the original room at the comedy store, the shows go really late. And at the end, people have left. So a, there is like a sparse crowd. They're drunk. They're tired. God knows why they've stayed. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a fun show. That's why they've stayed, of course. But like, there is something so undignified about going up in those late spots. Um, and it's hard and it makes you such a better comedian because like you are not afraid of bombing anymore. Because to have a good set in front of those crowds is just extra credit. Yep. You know? And so watching you go up and give 110%, go all out with your act outs in front of just like a couple of drugs. Oh, yeah. It's so funny to me. <laughs> and I love anytime I see like you're set in a context like that. I love requesting like one of your biggest bits to me, which is shitting guy. Is it shit guy or shitting guy or oh shit man? Oh my goodness. This like, is like one of like those things I that I don't know it. if it'll ever end up anywhere. It's one of those things that comics request of me. It is so funny. People will yell it out from the back of the room like when I'm doing a late night set. And the, and the premise is so dumb. Like uh, I, I say... Hey guys, um, I'm preparing for a diversity showcase uh, <laughs> uh, uh, for CBS. Um, do you care if I run by some original characters by you guys? And the audience is like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm like, okay, this first character is called Shitman. <laughs> Shitman. And then it's this long act out of this character who really needs to take a dump um, and then does. Uh, it's so ridiculous, but it's one of those things where it, it's such a long drawn out act out that comics want to see it. And by the end, I've literally had audience members be like, man, when that one, because it'll be a podcast fan or something that will yell it out sometimes at the end of towards the end of the show. They're like, dude, shit band was great, man. That was so good. I'm like, great. <laughs> I'm so glad that that was the thing that, that stuck out for you that was that really resonated with you out of all the, the written stuff that I've been working on. It always 
always goes that way. The only dialogue to this bit is the sound of this man nervously panting. Like, it's the sound of his panic. Um, What are the major, like, if you don't mind saying, what are, like, the major beats to the joke? Because what I remember is, like, the guy riding the bus, like, pulling the string, getting off of the bus. Like, like, what when you're doing it, what's in your head of, like, I need to hit this and then this? Uh, Well, the main beats... uh, are the him waiting for the bus? Yeah, share the narrative with us, God. <laughs> so funny. Um, the second beat of the joke <laughs> is him on the bus, and it's awkward <laughs> because there's other people who are on the bus with him. <laughs> so it's becoming more and more awkward for him. The third beat is him actually exiting the bus, needing to go up to his apartment. But one thing that's annoying about his apartment, he lives on the twelfth floor. <laughs> And the elevator's broken, so he's got to go up all the stairs. And then another beat of the joke is he has way too many locks on his door uh, and his keys, and he's fumbling with his keys to get into the apartment. And then the final beat is the relief. As you can imagine. As you can imagine. And there's a lot of buildup to that. When you're climbing the stairs, are you counting the flights? Uh, Or just until it doesn't feel right anymore? It's sometimes... He lives on a higher floor than others. <laughs> it, it, it totally depends on, on if I want the audience to suffer <laughs> or if I'm enjoying it. I feel There's like... so many factors. Like with all my long act outs, it really depends on sometimes I, I'll say this to a crowd. I'm like, you guys deserve this next joke. And then I'll I'll do a very, very, very long act out because I'm trying to whip that crowd into shape of what I'm trying to get them inside my head. <laughs> so funny. Would you say that the highest floor he lives on is when um is when there's just like one person dying in the back of the room and it's for them. And that way you get to punish everybody else and amuse them oh, at the same if time. if there's a couple of comics that are, are loving it, having a great time and they're dying, like he lives on a pretty high floor that <laughs> night. <laughs> That's just how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I, real quick, I want to say... I want to recount a story of a late night original room set that I remember of yours very distinctly. Um, This was cool for me, just as your peer and your friend to see, to witness this in real time. Uh, Sometimes at the comedy store for those late night sets, it's dead. Like Laura's saying, but then other times some bigger comics who maybe normally aren't there that late will come in and sneak in in the back and just kind of see what's going on because It's nostalgia for them. They've had to do those spots so many times over the years. They know how difficult those spots are. And they just want to see kind of what's going on. They kind of want to take a temperature of the room. They kind of want to go down memory lane to see what's going on. One night, Laura's in there. She's doing her set. And I'm literally, I think, a comic or two after you that night in the original room. So I'm watching your set. Um, I'm seeing the room. The room is pretty bad at the moment. Uh, but you go up and right away, you've got them. You got you get them within the first five to 10 seconds. And you you can feel a momentum shift happening in the room. I don't remember the comic that went on before you, but it was just like, they weren't trying to kill. Mm-hmm. You went up there with your intention, like, I'm going to kill. <laughs> you start having an amazing set. 
Joe Rogan walks in the back and he sits in the bucket seat and he starts howling, laughing at all of your jokes. It's your jokes that you are, you're just bringing it. You're doing material. You're also not placating sometimes to the crowd where it's late. People put in a little bit less effort because they don't want to have the possibility of failing with their well-manicured jokes. Mm. And they're like, they'll go into some lazy crowd work or just they'll look at their notes or they'll look at their phone and they kind of half-ass their set. I don't know if you knew that night that that there might be somebody coming in, but you were just killing the whole time you're up there. 15 minutes straight of just murdering. Rogan is in the back howling. He's elbowing a couple other comics who he's with, like pointing, and, and I literally am hearing him in the back in earshot saying, like, this, she's really good. And within a week, you were later, you were on the Joe Rogan experience. Well, um, thank you so much for misremembering my set. I do not remember killing at all. It's so funny that you should say that. And You're I had killing. like any, anyone else who tells that story tells it so differently than I remember it. How, how do you remember it? My memory is I was on stage doing a set. Um, like sparse crowd, I had no idea that Rogan and it turned out Burt Kreischer were in the back of the room. And I did not do the set that I would have done if I had known that. I was doing, I, I'm sh I, I know that I would have done some of my best jokes to get them, but then I was working on new stuff and there was something, I remember telling a joke about like a bag of cat teeth, like weird shit. And then people not laughing at it. And I remember workshopping it with the crowd, like being like, do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? Like, do you get the joke and you don't think it's funny or do you not really understand what I'm saying? And they were like, oh, we don't really understand. That was, you were being so genuine and honest. That's what's so funny about that. <laughs> When you're being that pure with comedy and you're being that honest, it becomes something where it doesn't even matter what you're saying. You're being your true comedic self. Like you're literally speaking your voice. And so whatever you end up saying ends up killing. And that's why in the back of the room, everybody's dying laughing because you're frustrated with a crowd that is really difficult and maybe dumb or drunk or whatever. It's so late. They've seen so much comedy at this point that you're like anything that you're saying about the cat teeth or whatever, the people in the back of the room who know comedy are like, oh, this is brilliant. She is literally just trying to figure out like where it's going wrong and yeah. it's killing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That ended up being maybe the single most important set of my career. I think it was um, because Joe posted a picture of me um, that he took during that set and posted me on his Instagram and his Twitter. And I had, I had, and I had like done a, a late night set on Comedy Central at that point. And I had 5,000 Instagram followers at that time. Mm -hmm. And the next night I went, uh, overnight I went from having 5,000 to having 20, 9.7 thousand followers. Yeah. And I thought like the world was ending. Like I thought I had done something <laughs> wrong. Like when you look at your phone and it's just all I, notifications, so many notifications sure. so fast. Mm -hmm. It was so, 
it was so scary to look at my phone. I was like, what the fuck happened? And then I was like, oh, I'm getting famous right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then when he had me on the podcast, I think I got like another 10,000 followers. Yeah. And I hate that that stuff matters, but it matters so much. Hey, it's it's just, I mean, it's an exchange rate yeah. with the different things for clubs and and different podcasts and all. It's just what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think we're at time. Are we at time or what, how, how are we doing? We're, we're doing fine. Um, would you like to take another one? Yeah. We've got one more. I, I would if you want to. Sure. Let's do it. All right. Here is just one more email. Dear Laura, I've been dating my boyfriend for two years and he just told me he's into women with hairy legs. I prefer to share my, shave my legs regularly, but I'm conflicted at the moment. What do I do? Shave or not? I'd appreciate your, your thoughts, Siobhan. Uh, I would be overjoyed. Um, I think that obviously it's okay to shave your legs. Sometimes in the winter, I'd be like, fuck yeah, dude, let's party. <laughs> I mean, you're wearing jeans, what, six months out of the year here? I don't know. Mm. I am. Uh, yeah, so that's great news. I'm really excited for you. And I think that if he went two years with you shaving your legs, he can handle you shaving your legs regularly in the summer. I would do once a week. You know what I mean? It's fuzzy. You can feel it, but people can't really see it. Uh, so that's where I would land if, like, you're doing shorts or a short skirt or whatever. Yeah, and that's my concrete answer to this question. I feel like this is really black and white, and I'm really happy for you. I'd say uh, just buy a strap-on for your boyfriend. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that's uh, the solution uh, for this scenario. And if he doesn't like that, be like, well, I'm going to keep shaving my legs, okay? And um, And if he says otherwise, then you know what to do. I feel like a larger issue for me would be like, why did it take you two years to feel like you could tell me that you like hairy legs? Like yeah. my last boyfriend finally was like, yeah, I like a bush. And I was like, why, why didn't you, why did it take you a year and a fucking half to tell me that? Also, isn't that easier on you? If yeah, Would have been. <laughs> yeah. Would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those were my thoughts. Yeah. It's like, what a dumb thing to be polite about. I don't know what has gotten into these men. I really don't. Me neither. Well, maybe he was being polite and not trying to offend you. Be like, I don't like the, what you're doing, but I prefer you to change. I don't like the constant work that you do to uphold yourself to a standard that I don't have. <laughs> I just flat out asked my wife at one point. I was like, does it matter to you? If, you know, and then she's like, oh, it doesn't matter either way. And I was like, perfect. I asked him too, and that was what he said. He was like, whatever you like. Or, or I think he like didn't want to tell me or something. Mm. And I was like, I don't care at all. Right. Just tell me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Pubes are going to pube, you know? Pubes are going to pube. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we've made a happy couple then. I think that's a great place to end. Or, or what, what? I guess you didn't give any advice. I just really like the idea of ending the show on pubes are going to pube. But um, what do you what do you think this person should do or should have done? Or what's your advice? Oh, you did. Oh, you did. You said the thing about the strap on. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, I just want to make you repeat that real quick. Uh, <laughs> you can stream Jeremiah's latest special, Daddy, on YouTube and see when he's coming to your town. Go to jeremiahwatkins.com. 
If you would like some unsound advice, send me a voice memo at lara at unsoundadvicepod.com. That's L-A-R-A. Maybe we will feature you in an upcoming episode. There is like a 100% chance that we will. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, pal. Cool. That was really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 